No one should be in business without a business lawyer working for them. Michael Palermo, attorney at law, is a business lawyer with over 25 years of business law experience. From startups to major corporate transactions like buying or selling a business or bringing on new investors, Michael Palermo will protect your interests as if they are his own. One call to Michael Palermo today could save you and your business problems tomorrow. For a consultation, call 312-671-6453 or contact him at palermo at palermolaw.com. Palermo Law, protecting your interests as if they are their own. All right, and welcome back for more of the Matt Matan Show here on Biz Radio Asheville. And I am so excited to go ahead and help launch a brand new series here on Biz Radio Asheville, and that is Biz Law with Mike Palermo, a Palermo business law firm here in the local Asheville area. And uh, good to have you on, Mike. Good to be back on, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, before we get into the series, because we're going to go through the entire life cycle of business and legal uh, situations that people should be prepared for, some different advisements of what things um, to anticipate and plan for and how to deal with different situations throughout this series. Uh, But before we get into that, um, just a little chance for people to get to know you a little bit. I know your story. I know your background. Um, It's immense what you're bringing to the table in business law experience to Western North Carolina. But give people a Reader's Digest. Uh, background, where you're from originally, how you got involved doing what you do in law, and how you ended up in Asheville. Yeah, so nobody's from here. I'm actually from Chicago, born and raised 47 years. After that, I spent a year living in the mountains of Idaho, and now, like most people, I've relocated to Asheville, and I feel like I'm here to stay because it's such a great place. I started out representing unions and labor union pension funds. I did that for a few years back in Chicago as a lawyer. My next gig was I worked for professional licensing. So anybody who has a professional license, at least back in Illinois, I've I've probably worked on it somehow. Doctors, Mm -hmm. dentists, architects, engineers. I I really enjoyed working with uh, the licensees, especially the the architects, the engineers, um, the real smart people. They don't tend to get in a lot of trouble. After that, I went to a law firm for about five or six years. I defended giant global chemical companies and also did a lot of construction-related litigation and business transactions. What I just, what I realized in my year off in Idaho was I really like working with small and mid-sized businesses because they're receptive. They realize the value of what I have to offer. And they're not, I'm not working with just some lifeless, gigantic global corporation like I, I did at the law firm. So that's what I've been doing here in Asheville for about six years now. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've had a chance to have several conversations over that time. You've been on the station before as a guest and everything. And so by coming together and doing this special series, you know, a weekly series on business law, um, to give a little bit of a preview of what people can anticipate over this, um, what right now is slated to be a six-episode six series. The, the way I've set it up is, um, we're going to go through the life cycle of the business when it comes to working with a lawyer. And it's, it's also, whether you work with a lawyer or not, it tracks the life cycle of the business. So today we'll talk about starting the business, uh, working through the episodes. It, we'll get into working with owners, partners. Uh, the next episode will be financing the business. So working with investors, lenders. You know, if your Uncle Ernie wants to lend you $150,000, to work on your business? Is that a loan? Is it an investment? Mm-hmm. How do you structure it? That sort of thing. Um, then we get into running the business. We talk about customer vendor agreements, uh, working with the government because everything's regulated these days. These days, And we also work 
we'll, we're going to talk about internal operations of the business. So what are your bylaws, your operating agreements? What are shareholder agreements that help you manage the structure of, of the business? Mm-hmm. Um, from that, we get, we're going to get into selling the business. So now you've run a successful business. It's time to get out. You might uh, want to sell to somebody. What's the process for that? And it is a process, not an event. Uh, last episode is going to be on succession planning, which is something I really enjoy doing because it's you know, your likelihood of leaving your business is 100%. So let's plan to do that right. because you planned on starting your business. You planned on the growth. Let's make sure your family and uh, children are left in a lurch if you leave unexpectedly. You know, in, in my experience has been with um, entrepreneurs across the region and actually across the state, too, is uh, the further into this series we go and what you just gave in that preview, the less it's on entrepreneurs' minds about, you know, about when they reach that success or, are you know, what's right. their exit strategy? Are they going to sell it? Are they going to hand it off to kids? Are they going to sell it to the employees? Um, that's right. usually so far off the radar of a lot of entrepreneurs that by the time they get there, they're probably in crisis or pretty close to it, scrambling to try and figure it out when it might be um, a lot more advantageous to think about that stuff in advance. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the information you're going to be able to provide folks. Yeah, and it's, it's, um, it doesn't have to be expensive. A lot of times when you, the businesses that put it off, it does get more expensive to do it in a crisis as opposed to in a thoughtful, well-laid-out plan where I work with you, your accountant, your CPA, your family, your estate planning attorney. Um, and then it just gives people peace of mind knowing that uh, if something happens or that their business is ready to sell rather than trying to have to scramble to sell it. Yeah. You know, and, and the biggest thing, obviously, that has changed since the last time you and I talked on the air is COVID and the COVID economy that it, that it currently has around us. So many people um, have stepped into entrepreneurship for the first time or maybe revisited it and had to reform what they were doing and things. So it's great that we start with the first episode being focused on starting your business and what kind of structure should it be, because that is so relevant to so many more people now than it was even a year ago. Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of that, uh, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate. um, Starting a business, even with the COVID, it's the same process. I might not be able to meet with you face-to-face to go over it, but it's not a particularly complicated process. From from an attorney perspective, when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm starting a business, what do I need to do legally? Um, I talk to them about liability protection for themselves and their family. I talk about getting good insurance for whatever the type of the business is. And then we talk about uh, what are the tax consequences of uh, the, the three basic forms you'll see are going to be a sole proprietor, corporation, or a limited liability company. Each each has its pros and cons, and there is some misinformation out there about what each form can and can't do for things like liability protection. Um, So the process is still the same. We might be doing it remotely over over the Skype or phone call or from six to eight feet away at at a coffee shop. Do you find that, um, you know, again, with COVID, a lot of people have had to make decisions, um, I, I don't want to say hastily, but with a different urgency. Um, you know, some people that I know of have felt like they don't have a choice but to launch into entrepreneurship, that they need to supplement some income coming in or, you know, their job's just not coming back 
Um, or in some cases, people are like, you know what? I've realized I like working from home. I think I want to own my job. <laughs> you know, um, what, what is the best place for people to start when looking at how to structure their business? Yeah, the, the, the gig economy, whether you want to do it or not, some people, it's just going to happen. Um, you know, the Internet's a great resource. It's a great invention. It is filled with misinformation. But for someone who's starting a, an at-home business, you can get some real quick, good information there. The only times I worry about um, if you know if somebody wants to DIY this is if they're in a high-risk business, if they're starting something like flying helicopters or building skyscrapers. You know, not not at-home businesses, but the, the point being, businesses where there's a, a pretty high risk of a downside if something goes haywire. You're, you you should be more um, more willing to call a lawyer and a CPA and an uh, insurance agent and work with them from the beginning. But just someone who is setting up uh, maybe a side consulting business in the meantime to do maybe a little computer programming or mm-hmm. um, yeah, graphic you know, art web, kind web of design stuff. Or, yeah. or some, some writing for, you know, blogging for somebody else. Uh, you know, the Internet's going to give you some decent information and pretty um, accurate well, information. Well, let's go through some of the designations. You know, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but let's go through and just give kind of like a Reader's Digest summary so that people understand the language and idea of how things are structured. When you talk about a corporation, yeah. an LLC, partnership, sole proprietor, let's spend a couple of minutes going through just the basics of those words and defining what they mean. Yeah, sole proprietor is it, it's just a guy or a gal running a business. There's no formal structure to it. Uh, I'm actually a sole proprietor. I haven't incorporated or anything like that. It's the simplest form of business. You just hang out a shingle and say, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut hair in my garage for a little side gig, or uh, I, I might do oil changes in my garage for a side gig. There's no structure. There's no registration that's required. Other Generally, than your Social Security number? You don't really need that because mm-hmm. you're just you're operating from your personal bank account, your personal checking account, using your credit cards. Now, and then you just you take care of your income declarations right. on, your, on your taxes at the end of the year, and, so, you, and you can do deductions as a sole proprietor too. You can deduct all your business. So, under sole proprietorships, is that where you would see people use a DBA doing business as, where they go down to the register of deeds, register a business name, so that they can open up bank accounts under a pseudonym under a. a you know, a DBA doing business as, but still underneath the umbrella of being a sole proprietor? Yeah, that's, that's definitely one way to do it. Um, I, I could set up a, a shop doing oil changes on the side and call it uh, White Hat Oil Changes. And in that case, yeah, you'd have to register with the Register of Deeds. Um, I, it gets, it gets kind of, the rules get kind of weird with assumed names. Mm-hmm. You're better off just identifying who you are, and then you can just open a bank account in your name. But if you want to operate under a, a DBA, which is doing business as, it's, it's an, a, a pseudonym for your business, like a, a trade name. Yeah, you can like do Biz that. Radio Asheville. <laughs> Biz Radio Asheville. But, you know, if I was giving you advice, I'd say at the bottom of your advertising, just say owned by Matt Matan, and then you don't have to worry about all that registration stuff. Yeah. So there's, there's like intricate little details that seem kind of silly but there's reasons for that all right let's move into partnership um this uh, as a broadcaster i got to tell you that the most interesting stories tragedies and and um and what's the other word i'm looking for um curiosities 
have come yeah. from stories shared by people in business partnerships? Yeah, so a partnership, and we might as well talk about limited liability companies because LLCs are just a type of a partnership. Okay. Partnership is just a couple people get together and agree who's going to do what, what the split's going to be on the back end, and you draw hopefully draw up a little document explaining who's going to do what and what their responsibilities are. Yeah. Um, well, let me put a caveat on what I said. Um, people who go into partnership for business and don't structure it legally ahead of time—that's yeah. that. Let me put that asterisk on it. <laughs> yeah, because because what happens and what what I saw, especially back in Chicago when I was doing more litigation, was fifty-fifty sounds great with your buddy from college until it turns out your buddy from college just wants to lay on the couch and eat Doritos while you're doing all the work, right. and he wants half of the money for the business. Or they're running up so, bar tabs with the company credit card. <laughs> yeah, well, not anymore since they got rid of all those deductions. But yeah. I'm sure there's a way to deduct whatever the guy's eating on the couch. Yeah, but a partnership is just, we used to call it a handshake agreement. Hey, let's let's open a business doing oil changes out, out in the out in the garage. And um, you can you can agree to the split however you want. And that, that's kind of the beauty of, of um, partnerships and limited liability companies because you can really define who does what and then how how the money's going to be split, how the expenses are split, how the profits are split. And and so when you talk about LLC, what are some of the protective differences between incorporating as an LLC or going sole proprietor? Because I think those are probably the two most popular categories of entrepreneurs in our region. Right. And and I start talking about LLCs or corporations with with clients. One, if it's a high-risk enterprise, like flying helicopters. Or two, when they start getting employees or if they're hiring managers or if they start getting locations, retail locations, or a manufacturing location, then you, you want to start separating the individual person from the business. And LLCs and corporations both can do that. There is a little bit of misinformation, though, is that if you if you operate under an LLC, you're absolutely immune from liability. And that, that's something I dissuade people from right off the bat. Because if, if you're driving a truck for angles and you drive through the red light, you're still responsible for driving through the red light. Similarly, if, if I'm flying helicopters and I, and I bump the hangar and somebody breaks a leg, I'm still responsible for flying that helicopter and bumping the hangar, even if I'm operating as an LLC. Mm-hmm. The difference between the two, from my perspective, comes back to structuring, again, how, who does what, how you split the proceeds. There are tax advantages, which aren't aren't as big as they used to be because the IRS is sort of catching up with the states when it comes to LLCs operating sort of like corporations. But yeah, the main the main thing between the two is they both have the same liability protections. And with the LLCs, you have greater leeway in structuring how the business is run. Mm-hmm. And now with LLCs, and, and we'll talk about corporations in just a second, you know, the, the broader different categories of incorporating. But is is there the requirement, a lot of people that I've talked to um, almost in like a quasi-mentoring role, when they start talking about incorporating everything, a lot of them, especially brand new entrepreneurs, don't understand requirements about having a board and and regular meetings and corporate documents and things like that. Um, with LLC, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's one of the things where until you get into like S-Corp, C-Corp kind of things, you you do have a little bit more flexibility or, or it's less stringent in those side of reporting um, criteria. Am I right or wrong on that? You're 100% correct. And that's, I, I think LLCs are a lot of fun to work with because there's so much flexibility in everything that you can or can't, you can do or what you can't do. 
Um, there's very little that you can't do with an LLC, whereas a strict corporation, you, the statute requires that you have a board of directors. The statute requires that you have bylaws. You have to yeah regular meetings and yeah. you have to have annual meetings. You have to have shareholder meetings. If you do certain things, the shareholders have to vote. And for most small businesses, the shareholder and the guy running the business are the same people. But you know, if your uncle Ernie gives you fifty thousand dollars and he becomes fifty percent owner of your corporation, he gets a say in how it's run. Whereas with a limited liability company, I think the only real structural requirement from the statute is that there's you need to have an operating agreement, which again is this partnership agreement that merely defines who does what, who can't do what, how who's got to give what money, and how the profits are split. But well, with an LLC, you don't you don't need to have annual meetings. You don't have to have a board of directors if you don't want. I recommend people do if they're having if they have a growing business. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to go. They're not as formal as corporations in many regards. All right, let's talk about corporations for a moment. Um, the two most popular categories, and, and North Carolina, I think it's probably good for us to take a moment since we have so many people moving in from other areas. We don't have all the same designations as some other states do. Um, you know, when you start looking at like B Corps, for instance, um, North Carolina is not there yet. Um, there's discussion about it, but it's not there. Other states where people may be moving from have that. That's not an incorporating for a CITUS state so far in North Carolina. But let's talk about S-Corp, C-Corp, and even B-Corp. Let's mention it a little bit, too. Yeah, you're going to put me on the spot here <laughs> because there's actually a couple of differences that I might surprise you on. B-Corp is – so straight-up corporation is one share gets one vote in the corporate affairs and gets one share of the profits. That's your basic corporation. If I own one share out of 100 and the business makes $100, I get $1. That's hard to get around that, mm-hmm. which is why LLCs are a lot more flexible. B Corporation is it's a private entity designation. Whoever does the B Corporation, I'm not sure what they're called, you have to meet their criteria. They're, they're a non-governmental agency. So you actually have to be a corporation in order to be a B Corporation. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, well, that's why we have you doing this series, Biz Law with Mike Palermo. You know, because with the B Corps, there's a lot of chatter around Asheville on, on a desire to for companies right. to go that direction. Because right. for people that don't know, there's a point system and everything associated with what you do for the community, what you do for your own employees and benefits employees. and things like that. Yeah, what your product is, how your how your factory is run, how exactly you treat the animals, how you treat the air around. Yeah, yeah. carbon footprint. All, there's all kinds of things there, and so I've heard a lot more chatter about B Corps around Asheville than I have seen people that are aware of process and and things like that. So I, I'm glad you were able to you know even give me a new piece of information on that. So let's talk about C Corps and S Corps then, because those are the most those are the most frequently utilized um, designations that I run into with Biz Radio and with my businesses. So a C Corp is just a corporation. S Corp is a corporation that's elected to be taxed under subchapter S of the inspection whatever of the Internal Revenue Code. Between C and S, those are tax designations. There's really no effect on the liability of the corporation or how it's set up, keeping in mind that there, there are criteria to become an S corporation. So it's like you can't have foreign ownership. You can only have, it's like either 200 or 250 shareholders. There's, there's restrictions on who can be an S corporation. Right. But from a legal perspective, they're both just corporations. 
and from um, a, from a tax thing, I, I, I'm not a tax attorney or a CPA. You're not a CPA either. Right. Um, so this is just general discussion. You know, this isn't official yeah. accounting or legal advice. But on the S corp, having the ability to have declarative income as the owner seems to me to be one of the major factors as far as the tax consideration goes. On December 31st, you say this is what I made for the year. You know, you right. got to document everything, but it's very different than the other structures in that sense. Uh, straight up, yeah, C, straight up or C corporations are a little more formal. S corporations can be a little more relaxed. And, and the same with the operations. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, when people start talking tax stuff, I give them the phone number of the CPA yeah. I work with. <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. All right. Talking about talking about other states, which mm-hmm. is why you put me on the spot and I'm actually mm-hmm. scrambling on the internet while we're talking. North North Carolina, there's only corporations, so you're either a corporation or you're something else. States, like where I came from in Illinois, they had a, what they called a close corporation, C-L-O-S-E. And what that meant was a corporation that's usually family-owned, but it doesn't have to be, with a small number of shareholders. And a lot of states have close corporations, and a lot don't. Mm-hmm. North Carolina doesn't have that. But the advantages of the closed corporation back in Illinois were you could do away with a lot of the corporate formalities like the board of directors, the board meetings, the annual meetings, the shareholder votes, and still maintain the liability protections of the corporation. Yeah. So when, it comes, when it comes to corporations, yeah, you've got the B corporation consideration, um, whether to elect subchapter S under the tax code. You don't have the closed corporation decision here in North Carolina, though. And, and the last thing, again, you know, just from general experience, not from, you know, I'm putting all these legal caveats. Aren't you proud of me, Mike? <laughs> not yeah. legal or accounting yeah. advice. This is just, you know, my own personal experience is that um, when you get into business, like for me, I had a business where we went with S-Corp. We were taking investments from people in the community and yeah. things like that. And so S-Corp and the declarative nature of income and everything, it made sense from a tax standpoint and with the number of investors we were looking at. But then it got into, talk about learning curve, when you start getting into um, SEC um, compliance and, you know, what's the income situation, how many other uh, things do people have in portfolios for their stock. If people, right. st- if they read something online and they go, oh, S-Corp sounds like the thing for me, it's important yeah, to have an a- yeah, it's important to have an appointment and sit down and talk with professionals because there's a lot to that. That, Like for me, when I had my first S-Corp designation of a business of mine, holy cow, I had no idea what I was stepping into because I didn't, I, I didn't go through the preparatory procedures that I know to go through now if I'm looking at taking a step like that. And, and you, you could be sending money to Kansas City that you, for the IRS that you spent would rather put in your pocket yeah. when people come to me to start a new business um other than like really small businesses but if if they plan on you know having hundred thousand to three hundred thousand in sales or more i always direct them to talk to the cpa and then i talk to the cpa about the appropriate tax situation of all the investors in the business because um not every investor might have the same tax situation. Sometimes people actually want to lose money on a corporation. Yeah, I found I that out, too. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited when I, I hand-delivered. I think I've shared this story with you before, but when I had the S-Corp, I hand-delivered um, the K-1s. Um, yeah. on the first year we had a profit. And I was so excited that I wanted to hand deliver the K-1s to our investors. And right. I had a couple of them be like, what do you mean you made a profit? That's it. Right? <laughs> you know? I was like, but this is exciting. It's not a very big check. And kind of like, 
Yeah, we need to we need to have a discussion, you know, about you know the growth rate and how we you know retain earnings, re-roll it into right. investment, and all that. It was quite a learning curve for me. I, I like to think I'm a little bit better prepared now than I was when I first got into that level of entrepreneurship. And, and after almost thirty years, I don't pretend to understand how people would not want to make money, but. That's yeah. kind of the screwiness that our tax code puts on us. Sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Well, in the uh, final piece here, um, before we run out of time, what kind of documents are going to be needed um, in starting a business? Sole proprietorship, no documents at all. You just hang out your shingle and start working. Corporation and LLC, there's, there's two documents for each. One is the state registration, uh, and that's real easy to accomplish. You just go to the North Carolina Secretary of State set up an account, do a couple of click-downs, fill in some blanks about the name of the business, the address, the email that you want to get notifications. That will get both an LLC and a regular corporation registered with the state. And then for a corporation, you, the statute requires that you have bylaws, which is uh, it's the same thing as an operating agreement for an LLC. It just says how the business will be run, who has what authority, things like that. And then for an LLC, you need... It's just called an operating agreement. We used to call it a partnership agreement back in, before they had LLCs, but it's just a partnership agreement, and they, they both have the same function. They, they tell the owners of the business how the business will be run. Mm-hmm. All right, and what is the best way, uh, if people are checking this out on the podcast, uh, just click in the description of the podcast. They'll be able to find their way to you. Uh, but for folks that might be listening on the live stream, uh, if you're listening through the app, which I hope everybody's gotten already, just click on sponsors, and they can go uh, scroll right down there, and you can uh, check out uh, Palermo Business Law right there. But for those few that are just listening to a live stream and they haven't gotten to the other aspects of stuff, what's the best way to get in touch? So as long as you remember how to spell Palermo, you you can type in my name, michaelpalermo.com. Uh, my official website for the law stuff is palermolaw.com, all one word. And then my phone number is, I still have my 312 number from Chicago. My phone number is 312-671-6453. Email is probably best because then we can bounce back and forth and set up a time to talk and that sort of thing. All right. Sounds very good. Uh, just again, a preview for the for the next episode in the series. We're going to talk about working with other owners, how to choose co-owners and different categories of agreements and things like that. Uh, Mike Palermo of Palermo Business Law here in Asheville, also uh, licensed to operate in uh, in Chicago area and for folks there, too, in case anybody find, yep. finds their way through from that, too. Uh, so thank you, Mike. Appreciate the information. Look forward to the next chat. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, and uh, we'll continue with more conversation here on Biz Radio Asheville right after this. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.